1: This podcast of The Michael Graham Show is brought to you by Matt Hermes. If you have a high-end home and you're looking to sell, call Matt at Keller Williams Realty. Matt Hermes specializes in luxury homes in areas like Hamilton Mill, Sugarloaf, Chateau Elan, and more. For more information, visit atlantahomesguru.com forward slash radio.
2: I identify with some things as a Democrat.
3: The folks behind this, in fact, are part of the most militant wing of the anti-abortion movement that has been behind, you know, the bombing of clinics. But okay. I'm on
4: your property. You're allowed to have smells in your property, so that doesn't count. He's attractive. He's tall. Um,
5: he's hilariously funny.
6: This is the Michael Graham Show on News Radio 106.7.
4: I suspect that some of my critics back home. Uh, are suggesting that I'm back here to look for my birth certificate? <laughs> that is not the case.
1: Good morning. It's nine oh four News Radio one oh six seven. I am Michael Graham, your host, MC star of the show. Renowned, spoiler of women, known enemy of the jihad, the geekiest white guy east of the Mississippi. If my radio show came to you through a spigot in your house, there would be a boil water advisory with it, I'm told. And so glad that you are here. You can call in anytime at 844 Email me, michael at com. I definitely want to hear from you. And I got hit with a boil water advisory this weekend. We went over to Stone Mountain. And we we're going to stop on the way in Avondale Estates, that little place that looks, it's well, so weird. It's like, it looks like a 1960s tourist trap. You think? Have you ever been there? That's like the brown and white, like, mountain, you know, chateau. You expect Heidi, you're late, you're late. Got, there's a restaurant there called um, Palookaville. It's supposed to be kind of cool and retro. And so I was going with my kids at a friend and bringing his kids And we get there, and there's no, there's a sign of the door, no water, and that stinks. So we ended up at this other place. which sucked. But anyway, that was, whatever. Then we go to Stone Mountain. It was a blast. It was great. Saw the laser show. Okay. Those of you who are more Stone Mountain uh, uh, cognizant than myself, they've changed that show, haven't they? They've changed that show because... When you watch the uh, part where the uh, three Confederate leaders come to life, that's so the end of the show. That is the big finish of the show. Yet suddenly it's not. It's like in the middle, and then there's a bunch of crappy pop tunes and crummy, you know, uh, Christine Aguilera. Just all this junk. And then they come back around with another pumped up American, you know, kind of patriotic finish. And they try to pump the crowd back up, but it's just not the same. The crowd is pumped when they see Robert E. Lee's horse taken off. That's when the crowd is pumped. And they've clearly shifted it around. It seems to me at 844 And what I loved about the crowd is uh, everybody was having a great time. There was almost no park. Supervision, you know what I mean. There was it looked like guards roaming around. It's not like going to the airport. I mean, just people were just out. People took care of themselves. Everyone got comfortable. They found a spot in the grass, sat in the rocks, whatever, and they had this fun time. And the kids were shoving the dipping Dots down their throats as fast as they could. And the parents were all like me, sweating like you know, like pigs. And we just did it. We had a good time. And the crowd was very diverse. Very, you know, black, white, foreigners, lots of. I mean, it was it was a great slice of America, and everyone having a good uh, good time, and yes, there was the Confederate uh, K. Ag Flag was also there as well, and yet somehow people had a good time. It was amazing. Isn't that amazing what happens when you leave people the hell alone? We figure out how to have a good time and take care of ourselves. We even drove out, just, you know, the mob of traffic. We People worked that out, you know, let people in, and we just did it, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Then there is the you need government to tell you what to do side of the equation. And there are a bunch of stories about that today involving whether or not you can figure out how many hours you want to work and when you set schedules and all this, uh, these uh, big government programs that are being uh, pushed to to control the workforce. But to me, everything you need to know about how the government really works and how the different visions of the world work is in this story out of Pinellas County. Florida. Let's go ahead and play the audio and then I will fill you fill in the blanks for you.
4: I'm only here because of the owner. I'm only here because of the smoke. I'm, I'm glad, glad you got smoke. some pretty good evidence of so affecting the uh, neighbors because <laughs> you don't see no smoke. Well I, I just took three pictures of smoke. So, so we across, across the street. She may be upwind, it may be <laughs> I, That's some poor think. There you go. I can smell it smell it again right now, okay. but I'm on your property. You're allowed to have it smells on your property, so that doesn't count. Okay. But when I'm on the street, oh that's my goodness, can, so uh, you can smell barbecue smoke on the street. You know, you know yourself that don't even sound right.
1: He does know himself that that doesn't even sound right, but he doesn't have to make it sound right. Right? He is a county employee who's gotten a phone call from some person. I predict little old lady. My neighbors are out with their loud music, and they're talking and they're grilling. and I can smell the <laughs> their smoke is <laughs> And so the guy shows the, shows up and tells this family, this group of people, I can smell your barbecue on the sidewalk. You're breaking the law. So you have to control the smell of your barbecue. Your smoke is floating into the air and drifting off of your property line, and it's going into the public sidewalk and into your neighbor's line, and therefore you're breaking the law, and therefore I am here. And you can see the video for yourself. It's at michaelgram.com right now. It is the top item. As this government worker shows up, and he he looks exactly what you think. He's this schlubby, chubby Uh, maybe not quite middle-aged yet, white guy. He looks straight out of the cast of Parks and Recreation. Chris Pratt could play this guy perfectly. The rules are, if I can smell your barbecue, you're bad, I'm here to straighten you out. Are you bleeping kidding me? No, he's not. He's absolutely not kidding you. Just like the Helen, Georgia police chief who busted the little girls for selling lemonade on the sidewalk. He's not kidding. Just like the uh, county... Health agents who have told senior home centers you can't have bake sales anymore because you're using unregulated kitchens. We haven't been to your house or your apartment to see your kitchen. So you can't sell, you know, uh, uh, chocolate chip cookies or peanut butter brownies anymore. Sorry, can't do it. This guy is deadly serious. And for me... The first question that arises at eight four 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 zero four one oh six seven is why did he show up that's state that's step number one why did you be, if if you get a call as a cop or a government agent or whatever, I don't like my neighbors grilling barbecue. I can smell their barbecue. <sighs> Right away, go, ma'am, yeah, well, you know, that's interesting. Thank you. Click. And then you just go back to doing whatever you were doing, you know, watching TV, surfing porn, whatever, going back to doing something valuable as a government worker. But no, he shows up and then to double down on the stupid, he tries to enforce the law. Now, what would happen if this was you at your house? And I want to be very clear on this and because I would definitely want to hear from you what your reaction would be. But my reaction would be to this guy, what I told you, my reaction would be to the cop who shows up for the lemonade stand, which is you got to be kidding me. Get the hell off my property. That's the whole conversation. That's and then I go back. I go back to grilling and I don't do anything. I completely ignore them. That's, all, that's what I'm going to do because I'm sorry. You're a moron and I'm a citizen. And so I win. And I would keep grilling. Well, Michael, what would happen? What if they arrested you? you want to be the guy that arrests me for grilling a burger? You go right ahead. Absolutely. That's why God invented Facebook. That's why God invented YouTube. You, I will have my camera out. I will be videoing you the entire time. And you go ahead and arrest arrest me for a, a a burger. Now, did that happen in this case? No, it didn't. Why not? Well, I don't know for sure. We have limited information on this story. There's no doubt more to come. And I always try to, you know, not, I don't want to be one of these hosts who, you know, hair on fire every time there's a little tiny, you know, a stupid story and then you blow it up and then it turns out to be nothing. But here's what I do know. The guy, the family that was grilling out, black. I don't know if their neighborhood is white, black, mixed, whatever, but I do know that the guys repeatedly point out, you know, our neighbors grill all the time and no one's ever shown up. This lady, this neighbor, has called the police on us for grilling and the fire department on us for grilling. And they both showed up and said, this is stupid. You're not doing anything wrong. And they went home. This guy, Mr. County, you don't understand. Everyone in my office here in Mayberry, he's just that I, Barney Fife, I'm the best worker ever. And so Barney Fife is not going to let it go. But you got to wonder. Seriously, I got to ask this question. Given the circumstances of stuff in America today and given what can happen if you dare, as a person of color, to disagree with someone in authority, w- would you be comfortable telling the guy to get lost, or would you be thinking, "Oh crap, I better st- stand here and take it"? Because if I get mouthy at all, they're going to call the cops, and then the cops are going to shoot me. You, you got to—I mean, it's, it's a different calculus. It just is. So you tell me eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. Was uh was the county worker right to show up because a person has a legitimate complaint and the law says if I can smell your barbecue, you're violating the law? Or are you with me that the guy was a total dope and you should have been ignored? What would you do and what do you think it matters that the family in this case is black or is that really not relevant? Would you think differently based on what you've seen in the world about confronting authority uh, if you happen to be a person of a color? You tell me.
6: News Radio 1067 now has its own app. Stream us from your smartphone, connect with us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and take News Radio with you wherever you go. Download the News Radio 1067 app now. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. I'm only here because
7: of the owner. I'm only here
4: because of the smoke. I'm glad you the- got some pretty good evidence of affecting the uh, neighbors because <laughs> you don't see no smoke. Well, I, I just took three pictures of smoke. So we across it, the street. It, it, she may be upwind. It may be. Just, <laughs> you know, I, that's I, some right, poor There you go. I can smell it, smell it again right now. Okay. But I'm on your property. You're allowed to have the smells on your property. So that doesn't count. Okay. But when I'm on the street. Oh, my goodness. So you uh, can't smell barbecue smoke on the street. You know, you know yourself that don't even sound right.
1: Good Monday morning. It is 920. Hello, Atlanta. How you doing? I am Michael Graham. This is Atlanta largest, Atlanta's largest diner table. It's you and me chatting about what's going on in the world. The phone number 844-404-1067. Coming up later, the latest poll numbers on where Donald Trump really is. And I definitely want to share that with you. But that phrase from the county, Pinellas County, Florida uh, County Commissioner, you're allowed to have your smell on your property. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for letting me have a smell of my own property. You're doing me such a huge favor. This is how things have gotten completely upside down. You know, there's a push uh, among Democrats uh, backing Hillary Clinton. They want to uh, fix the rules at uh, like restaurants and service industry jobs where you have to post the hours that your workers are going to work two weeks in advance or else. The state will come and they'll punish you. They'll find you. They'll beat you up, blah, blah, blah. Two weeks in advance. Well, I waited tables. There was no way that my boss would know two weeks in advance how many wait, or wait staff we would need. In fact, he sometimes wouldn't know two hours in advance. I'd get calls while my night's off going, hey, can you work? Do you want to work? Want to get an extra shift? Oh, no, 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 no. Can't do that. Why not? I chose to work here. My boss chose to hire me. Oh, no, 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 no. We, we've got to get involved here. You might do something that somebody doesn't like. So what? But once you kick in that door of everything that you do at your home and your business as everyone else's business, well, then it's just a matter of time before they kick the they they show up and take advantage of it. And that's why I'm curious for you as a human being eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven, what would your reaction be if the uh, if the uh, government agent showed up at your place and said, "Hey, your neighbors can smell the barbecue from your backyard, and they want us to shut you down." Uh, Tim, you're on the air. Go right ahead.
8: Well, I'd probably do the same thing you did, tell him to get off my property. But when I smell barbecue in my neighborhood, that's an open invitation. <laughs>
1: exactly. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm showing up. I'm with you. You're going to have to, particularly if it's good barbecue, you're going to have to call the cops and throw me out.
4: You're allowed uh, to have a smells on your property, so
1: that doesn't count. Uh, Alan, you're on the air with Michael Graham.
4: Yes, Michael. How are we doing today? Doing
1: great. Go right ahead.
4: Hey, I, I agree with the previous
2: caller. If I, uh, especially a black man, uh, if a black man in my neighborhood, which our neighborhood is white and black, but if a black man, which uh, actually over the weekend,
9: uh, he, somebody was cooking barbecue, and yes, I wanted to go over there and introduce myself and say, hey, buddy, how you
1: doing? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, but my gosh. Uh, I,
2: I wouldn't have a problem with that. matter of fact, it makes me hungry.
1: I, I'm see once again. I'm with you completely. What is this guy from the government thinking when he shows up? You know, at the end, I love the part of the audio where the uh, the homeowner or whatever, one of the guys cooking, says, "Come on, even you know this is stupid. This is the scary part. They don't. They really don't know it's stupid. They think this is their job is to regulate your smell, <laughs> regulate your." You know, uh, your life down to the nth degree. One of the uh, big pushes that's happening across the country is uh, uh, government agencies are trying to make it illegal for property owners to allow people to smoke on their own property. People who are building multi-unit dwellings, apartment buildings, basically, are being told you have to make these all smoke-free because what if the neighbor can smell someone's cigarette smoke? And how many times have we been through this with with other people. That's you know, that's the that's the other challenge here too. It's not just the government. There is there is that person in the neighborhood who kept calling the police. Why did she keep and I assume it's a woman, keep calling the police? Is it because she's just the annoying neighbor who doesn't like people having fun? Is that why she called the fire department, the police department over grill outs? Is it because uh she's uh, just, you know, thin-skinned and easily offended or easily bothered. I, I would like I, – I i hate to say it, but given where we are in America today, the fact that the people doing the grilling are black, you have to admit it could be relevant. It might not. It might absolutely – the whole neighborhood might be black. I have no idea. But you have to admit it's, it's, it's certainly a worthy line of uh, inquiry, and it would affect what I would be willing to do to defend myself – uh, in other words, I feel a lot more comfortable as the geeky white guy telling the guy to go kiss you know, kiss off than I would be if I were a person of color, given what's going on in America today. David, you're on the air with Michael Graham.
9: Yeah, I wouldn't tell anybody off. I just whip out my iPhone and filmed the whole ridiculous incident <laughs> and put it up on the Internet and let people comment and embarrass the heck out of that guy and his idiot supervisors and whoever made the regs. Uh, I had something similar happen a couple of years ago with a supervisor of the uh, code enforcement people.
4: Uh-huh.
9: Uh, I wanted to make sure I was conforming to code. And I knew there were some regs on uh, flower pots outside your house. Okay. And I talked to him, and he said, well, you can't use the black ones. I said, okay, that's that's firm. But you can use some of the green ones. I said, okay, which green ones can I use? He said, I can't tell you. What? He said, I can't tell you. I said, what kind of green pots are allowed? He said, I can't tell you. And I told him, how am I supposed to <laughs> obey the code if you can't tell me what kind of plots are allowed? Sure. And he somehow, his mind thought what he said was making sense. <laughs> so I'm not allowed to tell you
1: what you are doing that is legal. I have to wait for you to do it and then come back and tell you that it's illegal.
9: Exactly.
1: Exa- and trust me, that's exactly how government works works uh, and so if you've had these encounters either with government bureaucrats or with your neighbors if you've been through this who's the you know where is the source of the problem is it the guy who lives next door to you or is it the uh, person with the official government badge eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven? i am michael graham Good morning. It's 934. I am Michael Graham. Coming up, a new study shows that sarcastic people are smarter. Sarcasm makes you smarter. Yeah, right. Uh, But right now we're talking to you at 844-404-1067 about this story. Uh, Are you surprised that a government worker would show up and tell a family that's grilling in their own backyard, you're violating local ordinances because we can smell your delicious ribs simmering out on the sidewalk out next door. Are you surprised that a neighbor would make this complaint, given the way that some dopey neighbors are? And are you surprised that the county would respond? See, that's my big problem. You're always going to have dopey neighbors. You're always going to have people who want to annoy you. I've got a great story out of Starbucks about that coming up in just a second. What bugs me are the people who are supposed to know better. Remember the guy who was busted by the cop? Not busted, but stopped by the cops because he was walking down the sidewalk? And the cop said, we're stopping you because you're walking down the sidewalk with your hands in your pocket. The guy goes, well, it's winter. Yeah, well, it's making people nervous. By the way, you'll be shocked to learn the guy's black, the neighborhood's white. And so some little old white lady, (laughs) there's a black man. There's a black man. What kind of person is scared? Just because they see a black guy walking down the sidewalk. Oh, that's right. Hillary Clinton. I forgot. Anyway, so Hillary. There's a black man outside. What the, what the police should do. And please, officers, those of you who are listening, I you know cops listen to get mad at me. And you're well, I love that. 844 What should you do when you get that call? The answer is you should ignore it. Oh, yes, ma'am. We're right on it. Click. Hey, how about another donut? You know they Just don't move. Just ignore it. And that's what this guy should have done, too. Just because some paranoid white... There's a black man
7: with a barbecue! He's making ribs! I mean, if we're honest, for a lot of well-meaning, open-minded white people, uh, the sight of a young black man in a hoodie still evokes a twinge of fear. I love
9: little
1: white grandmothers who are scared of black guys in hoodies. That's uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton, 844-404-1067. Billy, you're on the air with Michael Graham right ahead. Hey, Michael, what you show. Just yep. wanted to kind of touch base on some of the topics you were bringing up,
8: and, and this, uh, you may find this interesting. My brother-in-law is a, is a Caucasian man lives in a mm-hmm. predominantly black neighborhood in Clayton County, and he, his neighbor repeatedly keeps calling on him about his air conditioner being too loud, <laughs> his porch is creaking too much when he walks on, just random things, and every time the police have to come <laughs> out and
10: investigate. <laughs>
8: I mean, this is just the, the most ludicrous thing I think I've ever heard. <laughs>
1: what has anyone asked the cops? Why do you keep showing up? At what point do you just say, you know, this isn't worth our time and county resources?
8: Well, he he always asks me, is this the best use of my taxpayer dollars to investigate whether my debt creeps or <laughs> my, my air? Con- if my neighbor can hear my air conditioning unit from her inside of her home, has anyone right. bothered to investigate? You know, her her mental stability. Mm-hmm. You know. But, you know, that's never transpired.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Billy, thanks for the call at 844-404-1067. Lori is on the air. Good morning, Lori.
8: Good morning, Michael. I am calling because I wanted to make a comment on the barbecue situation. Um, My thing is this. How did an ordinance, first of all, get passed? Where were the Ah. voters saying this is stupid?
4: Good question. And
8: then my other comment is that – air is free it doesn't belong to no one Mm -hmm. and burning if they're going to enforce the barbecue what about burning leaves what about the smog what about the neighbor who called on him what if he um is mowing his lawn and you know the the fumes from the grass and everything how about the car i bet the guy and
1: on and on i bet the guy has a car and i bet when he drives the car it puts out fumes and i bet sometimes you can smell those fumes no you're absolutely uh right Lori. And just uh, just so people know you're not crazy, in Massachusetts, because I used to live there, it's technically illegal to have any outdoor fire of any kind unless you're preparing food because they got a bunch of big government people who want to be able to tell you, I don't like your fire, it bothers me, your smoke bothers me. And that's the way they want to live. But I don't want to live that way, Lori. I don't either. By the way, the trick, if you want to have a campfire, and every Boy Scout in Massachusetts knows this. You think I'm kidding. I'm not making this up. You take a potato or something and you put it like by the fire so that you can. So if some idiot, you know, you're not allowed to burn without a permit. If shows up, you just tell them I'm cooking food. But think think, why. You know, Gloria makes a great point. Why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we give the government this power in the first place? We're the ones who let them pass these laws, whether it's the if i smell your barbecue ordinance or whether it's the automatic self-rising gas tax that's going to go up every single year without a vote and you're going to pay more and more and more why do we do it and if you notice this is kind of a theme of my show we deserve better we are basically the customers who have allowed megabus government to treat us like have you ever driven megabus i my my, I, my kids and i tried to use megabus yesterday I can't wait to tell you the story later in the show. Holy crap. But uh, before we get to my megabus nightmare, let's go to Luther. Luther, you're on the air with Michael Graham.
0: Hey, sir, how are you this I'm fine.
1: Thank you for taking the time to call. Go right ahead.
0: Hey, I just wanted to make a comment because you were asking about law enforcement responding to certain calls. Right. We are, we are obligated. To uh, respond. The only thing I think I've never or actually never had the opportunity to respond to is a young man that stated that uh, he went to bed with his pants so on, woke up with them off, and wanted to talk out it there and figure it out for him. <laughs> we, are, we are ready to, uh, to handle reports and uh, answer all the calls, whether how some of them may seem to be, you know, we're
1: just, um, that's our job. But I, I understand that's your job, but I, and so I'm not arguing, I'm just trying to understand. My understanding is that just like prosecutors have discretion, police have discretion. I mean, let's face it, Luther, you could probably pull over every car on the road and find some infraction or potential infraction. And yet you don't because you use discretion. Are you saying you can't do this? Like if someone called and said there are, a, you know, uh, aliens from another planet have beamed down and they're climbing in the roof of my house, you would have to show up and look for the aliens?
2: Uh, we'd probably show up, we'd probably show with some medical
1: assistance with that. <laughs> well, what's the difference between that and I want you to arrest my neighbor, I can smell his barbecue. That sounds like someone's off their meds too. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's probably the person making the call.
1: Well, Luther, thanks for the call and for the insights, I appreciate it. I, you know, I, I just, my understanding is that there is a fair amount of discretion for law enforcement and I would say this, I think if I were a cop, and police officers, straighten me out, I would rather ignore the dumb call, focus on smart stuff, and then wait for the loony who's calling about the neighbor, his grass is too loud, I can hear it growing, let them then complain about me, And you know what I'm saying, I'd rather wait, you make me come in so I can, yes, you're absolutely right, I got three calls this lady, I ignored all of them, and so. And here's see what the calls were, and here's why. I'd, I, I'm looking for more of that. I, I think we can make it work. My example, once again, is Stone Mountain. Stone Mountain Park this weekend in the middle of all this fight about the Confederate flag and blah, blah, blah. You had a huge crowd. The place was packed. Multiracial, multinational, very little presence of security or anything. Everyone just got along. That's how the vast majority of America's, Americans make America work.
9: Russ, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Hey, Michael. I was going to tell you, I, I live in Cumming out on this old country road. There's mm-hmm. no subdivisions. out in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, the houses are 50, 100 yards apart. People on that road have horses, cows, things okay, like that. got it. People across the street had a little party one night when we built a, I don't know, I guess you call it a little bonfire. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting around this fire, all of us sitting around this fire, we're toasting marshmallows, hot dogs, whatever, and I swear to you, it, like 10 o'clock at night, a fire truck with the lights on mm-hmm. pulls up in front of that house and they jump out <laughs> with, his, with his hose, you know, 500 pounds of water pressure. Sure. The and squirt our fire out. No, they did not. They did I not. It, it, they did One not. of the neighbors called about the fire and uh, they did. They said, you put the fire out and they squirted that fire out and left. Why did you have to put it out? I don't know. Like you said, some kind of, I don't know, burn ordinance or something. I don't really remember what they said, but mm-hmm. I, I thought it was crazy. Because
1: I could see them showing up. You know, if you smell uh, hot dogs and marshmallows. You definitely get a little hungry. So I would definitely show up and say, how about one for me? But to put the, or to tell you the ordinance says you can't do this or some, you know, what I'm saying, to explain the rules, but to just show up and put the fire out. That's like this guy in Florida showing up to tell him, hey, control the smoke off of your grill. Otherwise you're in big trouble. 844 404 1067. When we come back, I rarely have anything kind to say about Starbucks, but this time they got it absolutely right regarding one of these nosy neighbors. I will explain.
6: Michael Graham now, and the Kimer at noon on News Radio 1067.
1: Good morning, it's 9.50. I am Michael Graham. People are starting to find me on Twitter. I am M. Graham to tell me about their own encounters with goofy local laws, rules, regulations. People in Charleston, for example, if you live in the historic part of Charleston, you have to have the government approve the choice of paint in your house. Not just outside the house, which I get because they have the Rainbow Row thing and stuff, but inside your house. If I can see the wall through the window, you have to have permission from the local historic society I was going to paint it beige. Oh, no, no, we only we only use eggshell or mauve or whatever. I don't know what those colors are, but that's that's the real life of the real world we live in. And the scary part is a number of Americans who want to live there. They really want to live in this kind of oversized, you know, uh, nursery where we're the big American babies uh, and having our butts wiped by the government. Scott is on the air with Michael Graham. Go ahead, Scott. Good morning. Good morning. Right ahead.
8: Um, I was um, I was stationed down at Mid Deal Air Force Base, 20, uh, twenty, thirty years ago I'd have to count them up. But uh I lived in Pinellas Park, which was part of uh Pinellas County. Mm-hmm. Uh the same county where right. you you referred to the and uh, We decided we were going to have a barbecue one weekend, and uh, the phone company was going to give us this wire spool, so a bunch of us got in the truck and went to get the wire spool. Excellent. On the way to get the wire spool, they um, were working on the road, so we appropriated some of the cones, (laughs) and we came back, and when we set up the barbecue, we blocked off the corners of the streets, we made up invitations, we invited everybody in the neighborhood, and had the barbecue, put the wire spool in the middle of the road, and times change. Yeah, no
1: kidding. You're absolutely right. Did you see any law enforcement that day? And if so, did they show up for the food? No. I would I would just
8: guess at what would have happened back then. You're, you're probably right. It yeah. was probably a 50-50 shot whether they would have had fear and uh, barbecue with us or whether. Some of us would
1: have went to jail. No, no, they would have said, I'm telling you, they would have had the barbecue with you. This was the expectation. We, we used to have this fundamental expectation of each other that we would leave each other the hell alone. And your neighbor would do what he did. And sometimes it would bug you. I got a, a email from someone saying, Michael, what if uh, the neighbor was Muslim and the smell of roasting pork offended her? So what? My, you know, sometimes my neighbors did stuff we didn't like. They played music I didn't care for. They, you know, you, they had flamingos in their front yard that you thought looked trashy this is part of life is true tolerance tolerating the people next to you but then, then there are other people who can't stand it and even you know they just anything you do that they don't like they just they they demand that there must be action and uh in floor also in Florida There was a guy who decided he needed to take the law into his own hands when it came to parking at Starbucks.
7: Rob Rowan thought Starbucks would be writing to apologize to him after the manager banned him just from this Dale Mabry store. Instead, this letter now says he can't step foot in any Starbucks ever again.
3: I get this letter which shocked me.
7: Rowan has been a customer here for years and says he often sees people parked in this handicap space when they're capable of parking further away and <gasps> walking to get their cup of no. coffee. He says it strikes Shock. a nerve that hits too close to home. My son-in-law
2: has muscular dystrophy.
7: Rowan started standing up for those who couldn't, asking the law-breaking Starbucks customers to move. He snapped a picture of another illegal parker.
2: She said, I'm calling the police, you're harassing me. I said, go right ahead. So she ended up getting a ticket, which was felt really good. But
7: a few months ago, another customer complained and got Rowan permanently kicked out of that store by the manager. Starbucks claims that Rowan became confrontational with customers. They won't tolerate him disrupting their, quote, welcoming environment.
3: Exactly. Can you believe it? They banned me from Starbucks for life.
1: Yes, you're banned from Starbucks for life. And thank you, Starbucks. I put you up there with the diner lady who screamed at the two-year-old brat and her parents because the brat wouldn't stop scre- stop crying and got the brat to shut up and protected everybody else. Imagine you're in Starbucks or whatever. You're in line. So, I've got a picture of you. Your car's illegally parked. I'm, you need to go move your car. Dude, get lost. No, I'm here to... Say- Call the cops in. Fine. You know, that's their job. They give tickets. I'm parked illegally. I'll get my ticket. Oh, you'll, you have to answer to me, sir. No, I don't. I do not have to answer to you. Well, oh, Michael, parking in handicapped spots is terrible. And you would know that if someone in your family knew. Needed... My wife has MS. We have a handicap thing because she needs to use it sometimes, particularly on hot days. So, yeah, I do know for real. I also know that you go to uh, Target and there are seventy-three empty blue parking spaces, and then a packed a parking lot. And so, my point is, I have no problem if you're parked in a handicap spot, if you're parked in the fire lane, or if you're parked illegally, and you get a ticket. That's how it's supposed to work. And if you want to be the as we who calls them, you need to come down here right now to Starbucks. There's somebody illegally parked. You want to be that guy harassing cops who could be out busting. You know, robbers and thieves and rapists, fine, you be that person too. But when you come into the store and you have to get in the guy's face, this is not about handicapped people. It is not about securing our liberty or enforcing the law. It is about you wanting to make sure everybody knows how important and special and wonderful you are. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine standing in line and having someone, you're parked in the fire lane right now. I see you. you, I'm going to. Okay, fine. Go call the cops. Fine. But leave me the hell alone. No, you have to answer to me. No, I don't. Thank God. Hallelujah. And what's terrifying is there may be somebody married to you who has to do, which which just shocks me. So Starbucks banned him for life. Starbucks, I'll be by this afternoon for a wildly overpriced latte just to say thank you for banning this D-bag from your stores. eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. So the uh, Donald Trumpians are riding high. They're looking at his poll numbers and saying, we got this, baby. I'm going to give you the natural truth. It's called math. Coming up next. Good morning, it's 10.05 on radio 1067. I am Michael Graham. Welcome to the show. So glad you are here. Everyone is welcome at 844-404-1067. I've been asked two questions more often than any others in the past couple of weeks. And the two questions, number one, why is it that you're not supporting Donald Trump? What's wrong with you? And the other question is, why aren't you explaining to people how wrong it is to support Donald Trump? What's wrong with you? And I, I, so I, I don't know how to fight my way through that one. But I will uh, say that I want to make sure that you have the facts and then you can do with the facts what you will. It's hard to get the facts because CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, they are obsessed with Donald Trump and you see these headlines, Donald Trump ends the lead, Donald Trump is on top, Donald Trump's winning, winning, winning. And then you look at the actual numbers, and the fact is, you're absolutely right, Donald Trump is on top of a national poll with 18% of the vote, 18%, because there are so many people running that it, you know, 18% puts you at the top in a 15, 16-way field. The number that matters that i think should matter is the number that indicates whether or not donald trump could win and that's the you know the real question to me uh you know mrs bill clinton is is making it very very clear that if you like the last eight years of a crappy economy and a divided society and a humiliating foreign policy and you want to throw in some blatant open corruption on top of that Mrs. Bill Clinton is the way to go. I'm not about that. I understand some of you are going to support for I Look, no problem. Some of you will vote because she's a woman, which you should be ashamed of because voting for or against someone because a woman is embarrassing. Some of you are going to vote for because she's a Democrat, which I understand. You're loyal to your party and you think your party overall will reflect your values. That's fine. But you can't deny that Hillary Clinton is a crook and you can't deny that Hillary Clinton means more of the, of the same for another four years that we've had so far. So I think we can agree. We don't have to be partisan to agree on that, right? Eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. So who's the person who can win? Once again, if you watch cable news, you think, oh, my gosh, it's got to be the Donald.
5: He's attractive. He's tall. Um, he's hilariously funny. I think he could be not only a, a nominee who could win, but a third party candidate who could win.
1: Uh, Donald Trump is the guy who can win. That is Ann Coulter. Then again, she also was saying... Up until two weeks ago, she wanted the Republican Party to nominate Mitt Romney again. She was kept saying she she believes that the best person to run in 2016 is Mitt Romney. So there you go. That's I mean, I love Ann Coulter. She's great in entertainment. She's great at uh, being a provocateur. I admire that tremendously. But there's uh, that. Um, But she's just wrong. She's wrong about donald trump winning and once again this isn't about opinion this is about fact i'm looking at the latest numbers of you know uh blaze poll numbers of all the people who are running and this is the same number within a few points that we saw four days ago and three days before that this is where it's generally been the one republican with the worst Favorable, unfavorable rating, by far the one Republican that registered voters say over and over again that they absolutely do not like is Donald Trump. I gasped when I saw in the brand new uh, CNN uh, poll that Hillary Clinton's unfavorable rating is 49%. She's already 49% unfavorable nationwide. She's 60% unfavorable nationwide uh, in Iowa and, or or excuse me, in swing states like, yeah, Iowa and Colorado. 49% unfavorable, that is huge. Or as the Don will say, huge. That's huge. Same poll, Donald Trump's unfavorable rating, 59%. Almost 60 percent of all voters don't like the Donald already. And that number is higher when you go to swing states like Iowa, Colorado, Ohio, Virginia, Florida, the states you have to win in order to win the White House. So that's not this. This is not an opinion about Donald Trump as a guy or Donald Trump as you know on his positions or whether or not he's crazy, whatever the polls. Who has the craziest, wildest, widest swing, favorable, unfavorable? Donald Trump, his favorable rating is 10 points behind Hillary Clinton. And his unfavorable rating is 10 points beyond Hillary Clinton. Hillary has a five point swing favorable to unfavorable. Donald Trump has a 15 point swing favorable to unfavorable. He's completely underwater. So for those of you who are mad at me for not jumping on the Donald Trump bandwagon because you want him to, you know, he, he's the guy who can win. Where, what, what do you? I mean, I'm just all I can do is look at the numbers and tell you what the numbers are. If there's something I'm missing, eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. Do you think it's a coincidence that after a month of nonstop media coverage of the Donald, brand new numbers out on the popularity? Of the Republican Party, should I be shocked that the uh, uh, pop, the uh, Republican Party is at an all-time low in popularity after having surged ahead? Its numbers are now back down about, I say all-time low, about at its all-time low. Is that a coincidence or not? Uh, Because it's interesting to me, you heard uh, Ann Coulter say it. Donald Trump could run as a third party candidate and win. Well, no, you can't win when 60% of the voters say, I don't like you and I've got two other choices. So he's not going to win. But you know what he can do? What he can do is he can run as a third party candidate and pull a Ross Perot and help Mrs. Bill Clinton win. And I've had people tell me over the weekend because I posted this information. That that's what should happen. That's what they want. Michael, the Republican Party is so awful. It's so evil. It's so uh, full of squishes. I'd rather see Hillary win. Let Hillary win. Really? You think that's an improvement? <laughs> because I'm, so, I'm. I don't. I mean, it's so the gap between where uh, corrupt far left, Mrs. Bill Clinton is, and all of these other normal people, all these normal, traditional conservatives, like Scott Walker, who's fought the unions, like uh, Rand Paul, who's fought for libertarianism again and again, like uh, Marco Rubio, who's fighting on Iran and the president's deal in Iran right now, like Ted Cruz, who has fought everybody. There's nobody, Ted Cruz. You want to fight her? You want to fight her? Rick Perry sent state troops down to the federal border because Obama was doing such a crappy job at the border. You want a guy who's going to fight over the border? Rick Ted, uh, uh, Rick Perry actually sent guys down there with guns. And you're telling me it doesn't matter which one. And that's funny to me. You know Why? Because those of you who are telling me that it doesn't matter if we elect Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, have you been listening to Donald
7: Trump? Why did you say that you identify more as a Democrat and the economy does better under Democrats?
2: I identify with some things as a Democrat.
1: Yeah, there you go. There's the answer right there. The guy who identifies as a Democrat. I cannot understand the appeal of Donald Trump, but I definitely understand why people are mad. At the GOP, I will explain.
6: Michael Graham now in the camera at noon on News Radio 106.7. It's 1019.
1: I am Michael Graham, your host, MC, and star of the show, and a guy who really, 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 really does not want to see Mrs. Bill Clinton be president of the United States, uh, which is one of the reasons why I am not a friend of the Donald. I could picture him deciding if he feels unwelcome in the Republicans. If he runs as a third party, it likely makes Hillary Clinton president, or whoever the Democratic nominee is. And you know what? In his mind, he would say, I'm the reason why she got elected. And I could picture him wanting to have that honor. And like Ross Perot in 1992, and like Ross Perot in 1996, he could say that, and he would able to say, I got a Clinton elected, this is a good thing, 844 404 So then we come back to, but Michael, you've always told us that the Tea Partiers are smart, and the Tea Partiers get it, and they make str- smart strategic votes that so they're not a bunch of morons where the media's. Portrayed them. Look at the people they've picked. They've picked great candidates like Marco Rubio who they got elected to the Senate and Mike Lee who they got elected and Rand Paul they got elected and taker. They got these they nominated people who could go out and win. They've beaten establishment Republicans at their own game. Why are you still defending them when they're following Donald Trump? Doesn't this prove that the media was right about these Tea Parties all along, that they're just morons who just are just angry all the time? My answer is no. There's a legitimate reason to be mad. At the GOP goons who are running this country, uh, excuse me, r- running this party. And there are reasons to be mad about the conversation when it comes to our lives together. The reasons we the Republicans are self-evident this weekend where you had this uh, export import bank, which is basically a big federal government boondoggle to big business, big companies like GE who don't need your money. Get these sweetheart deals guaranteed by uh, the government and your tax dollars. Conservatives wanted to kill it. Mitch McConnell lied and kept it alive on behalf of the Chamber of Commerce wing of the Republican Party. Uh, thank you, Senator Purdue, for voting against it. Shame on you, Senator Isaacson, for voting for it. Shame on you. But that's where the Republican Party is. And so the big then. Well, how about a vote on Planned Parenthood? Oh, my God. What they're doing is disgusting. And not only is it disgusting that they're selling body parts, but the president of Planned Parenthood, who has 100 percent support from Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, defended shredding the bodies of unborn black children and selling
3: the body parts to white people this way. The folks behind this, in fact, are part of the most militant wing of the anti-abortion movement that has been behind, you know, the bombing of clinics, the murder of doctors in their homes uh, and in their in their churches, and that's what actually needs to be to be looked but, but, at. But,
1: so she's saying that if you oppose shredding black children's bodies and selling them to rich white people, she, if you oppose that, you're a terrorist. You're a murderer. If you stand up for those lives, if you stand up at least against that horror. You're a murderer and a terrorist. What a perfect opportunity. But when Rand Paul stepped up and said, let's vote on it. Hey, Mitch McConnell, you can force through this big government giveaway for this special interest bank for big business. How about letting us vote on Planned Parenthood? I think we actually might be able to win that vote because I think even pro
8: choice people are horrified by the idea of sort of preserving part of the baby and not crushing the brain so we can harvest the liver. People are outraged by this, and I think the American people deserve to have a vote on it.
1: But sorry, I didn't get that vote. Thank you to the GOP establishment, Mitch McConnell, et So I understand why you're mad at Republicans. You have every legitimate reason to be mad. Um, but there's also another level of mad, and that's mad. At the conversation overall about how there seemed to be this egregious double standard uh, in how we look at the the, the day-to-day events in America's life. Do you remember when that Nutburger in South Carolina shot up that church in Charleston? I, I was there broadcasting the next day, in fact, having started my radio career in Charleston, and... It took us 30 minutes to say, "This is a racist white supremacist nutjob, And it was easy because on his website, there was a picture of him waving the Confederate flag, him burning the American flag, and him posting, "I want to, you know, stand up for a white man, and that's a shame I can't find more skinheads and KKK members to support me." So there, there's his motive. It's right there on the web and the media in the first 12 seconds. That's what happened. Now, flash forward to Chattanooga. Very similar circumstance. One guy, lone gunman, goes in, targets people because of where they are and what they represent. Did you know that CNN and the White House are still saying we are looking for the motive? The guy posted on the interweb his Islamist beliefs. He tweeted out a violent verse from the Koran, and there are many. Um, he openly, you know, was well, not openly. He was in contact with uh, with Al Qaeda uh, spokespeople, their, are PR guys, basically, if you will. So we know Al Qaeda connection, celebrating ISIS boasts from the Quran. We have at least as much information on the Chattanooga shooter as we do on the Charleston shooter. And yet the media is, we, we don't know. We have no idea what's going on. Then this past week, Thursday, you had that horrific shooting Thursday night at the movie theater. And the guy was some, he had posted a swastika above his business in Georgia he uh, had been on the media in, in his little corner of Georgia where he made outrageous claims about women and how women shouldn't be in the workplace and blah, blah, blah. And people immediately, you know, this is a hate crime against women. Now, he shot at everybody in the theater as far as we know, but it was labeled a hate crime. I'm not saying it was or wasn't hate crime. I don't know enough about this. I've no, if it turns out that the guy was motivated because he had some psychotic hatred of women, okay, fine. I'm happy to admit it. And that's the difference. That's what Donald Trump appeals to. You and I are trying to just tell the truth. The truth is the, Chatt- the Charleston shooter was a uh, whack job white supremacist. And the truth is the Chattanooga shooter and the Fort Hood shooter and the other shoes before him are whack job Islamists. And we say, OK, you told truth number one. Why don't you tell truth? number? Oh, we can't tell that truth. That, that truth must be spoken. We're, we're gonna- All we're going to say is Islam is a religion of peace. Well, that's stupid. And you and I see that gap. Between the truths we're allowed to tell and the truths that are that well, we know why. I'm saying for some reason forbidden. We know why it's because they're they're truths that the elites don't like. And Donald Trump is a guy who looks at both sides and says, "This is the truth. This is the truth," and he doesn't back down just because he's telling truths, even when he's not quite telling the truth. (laughs) Uh, But he doesn't back down from the premise. Illegal immigration is a real problem. It hurts real people. Illegal immigration results in some Americans being dead and raped and harmed that shouldn't be dead, raped, or harmed if we would simply enforce our laws the way other countries do. That is the truth. And so that's, to me, the resonating point, the tuning fork that is Donald Trump, is he's resonating with that desire of, come on. You know, the handful of people who want to deny that the Charleston shooting was a hate crime, whether there's seven of those, everyone, you know, the Klan members admit that the Charleston shooting was a racist, you know, a, a crime committed by a racist. And yet we can't get the White House and the mainstream media to admit that the whack job Islamist screaming Allahu Akbar was engaged in act of Islamist terror. Bull bleep. And that's what Donald Trump is. He is that that guy that pulls out that frustration that we feel of bull bleep. He's calling BS on people who need to have BS called on them. He's doing a bunch of other stuff too. He identifies as a Democrat. He's pro abortion. He's pro big uh, government. He's pro government seizing property. He's pro socialized medicine, but he's the one guy in the political system, not in the talk system, in the political system who's calling bull bleep. And that's, his appeal. And that is legitimate. Eight four four I'm Michael Graham. Com earnings vary based on your effort. Do you want to learn how to make
3: money flipping houses right here in Atlanta and Athens? If so, we have an amazing opportunity for you. We're looking for a small group of motivated individuals to join our real estate investing team. You'll learn our simple three-step system for flipping homes right here in the local area. This is Than Merrill, star of A&E's hit TV show, Flip This House. My team and I are looking for a handful of people in the Atlanta and Athens area who want to learn how to make money flipping houses in your spare time using other people's money. Atlanta and Athens are perfect markets for my system. And next week, I'm holding a free two-hour educational workshop where you will learn how to make money flipping homes and how to build long-term wealth with income properties. To
1: get two free tickets to Than's Workshop, call 1-800-370-4891. Seating is extremely limited. Call in the next 10 minutes and you'll also reserve a free copy of Than's Money for Deals Guide. That's 1-800-370-4891.
6: That's 1-800-370-4891.
10: Hey, it's a know, I hate to say this, but Labor Day is only about a month off. You know, it used to be that if I was overweight on Labor Day, I knew I was going to have a bad winter. Well, guess what? When I was all porked out, I needed to lose 30 pounds. And finally, instead of worrying about diets that don't work, I went to the Quick Weight Loss Center and got on their program. It's a program made for me. And if you are overweight and afraid of gaining that weight for the wintertime, start now to get it off and learn how to keep it off. They'll have a program designed just for you your daily schedule your daily activities your lifestyle that's why it works a one-on-one counselor making sure that you are successful and it's guaranteed you can lose over 100 pounds that's guaranteed it's true they have programs for overweight kids too you can lose more weight than you ever thought possible faster and easier there's a free no obligation consultation 12 atlanta locations on the web qwlc.com that's qwlc.com or call this number tell them the camera sent you 1-800-404-4050 1-800-404-4050 Really works. one 404 4050 for the Quick Weight Loss Center.
11: It's 1032 at News Radio 1067. I'm Matt Dorr at the Ackerman Security News Desk. Here's what's happening. Word of the death of Bobby Christina Brown, the daughter of late singer Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown, has spread quickly through Atlanta. Our Scott Kimbler spoke with fans. Fans of the twenty-two-year-old and her family stunned by the death of Bobby Christina Brown. Their hearts go out to the family.
7: And watching her on the news and seeing if she's going to update or not for her condition, but it was just getting worse and worse. And it's just sad to see that she just passed at a young age, you know, her mom, then her. You
5: know, she's had a hard time for a while, and it culminated to this It's just a sad situation.
4: This just a tragedy, um, and it's just a tragedy.
0: Pray for Bobby Brown at this point.
11: Bobby Christina just 22 years old had been unresponsive since January 31st after being found face down in the bathtub of her Roswell home her body now at the Fulton County Medical Examiner's office for autopsy from downtown Scott Kimbler News Radio 1067 Smyrna police are investigating the death of a pedestrian a man was struck and killed by a vehicle just before two o'clock yesterday afternoon while he was trying to cross the street at the intersection of South Cobb Drive and Windy Hill Road the pedestrian was identified only as a man who was believed to be in his late 40s he was pronounced dead on the scene the water woes continue in dekab county after last week's water main break many businesses remain closed in downtown decatur as a boil water advisory remains in effect this is also costing people money like cameron ensign who works as a cook he told fox 5 news the water main break has put him out of work
10: i've been off of my one of my jobs i work two jobs i've been off one of my jobs now
11: for three days The water main has been fixed and most residents should have some water restored, but people flock to the grocery stores to stock up on bottled water until the issue is completely resolved. Gas prices continue their downward trend. AAA reports the national average price for gasoline dipped 4 cents last week and prices in the southeast fell even further. In Georgia, the current average gas price is 5 cents cheaper than it was last week at about $2.56 per gallon. That's 12 cents cheaper than a month ago and 8 cents. 88 cents cheaper than this time last year. It's 1034 from the Haviland Express Loop Traffic Center. Still got the west la- westbound lanes blocked of Highway 316 at Sugarloaf Parkway for a downed tree. A crash on the top-end perimeter, 285 westbound at Peachtree Industrial Boulevard. Now has two left lanes blocked. You're still jammed back to Spaghetti Junction and a brand-new accident on the south side. 75 southbound right at the 675 interchange. Only the far left-hand lane gets by. Traffic backing up past Highway one thirty-eight. This traffic abort brought to you by Subway. Head to Subway and start your day the flavorful way by adding new guacamole to your favorite breakfast sandwich and try it today on the bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. Only at Subway, eat fresh. With well, 24-7 right now traffic, I'm Matt Dorn, radio 106.7. I'm meteorologist Joanne Feldman with your Fox 5 Storm Team forecast. Well, we've grown rather accustomed to this weather pattern of heat, humidity, and daily rounds of storms. Although for the next few days, we won't see too many storms. There's a 20% chance that you'll get one today. The skies will be partly cloudy, the temperature into the low 90s. Overnight, 75 and mostly clear. Then tomorrow is partly cloudy with a high of 94. And a few thunder showers will flare up again in that heat of the afternoon. Remember to get your weather updates around the clock from Atlanta. Atlanta's local news team, Fox 5 News, and News Radio 106.7. It's 86 degrees in downtown Atlanta. I'm Matt Dore. More now from the Michael Graham Show on News Radio 106.7. Why did you say
7: that you identify more as a Democrat and the economy does better under Democrats? I
2: identify with some things as a Democrat.
1: It's ten thirty-six. Ah, yeah, Michael Graham. So says the hero of supposedly the right, Donald Trump, who, when he's not supporting Canadian-style socialized medicine and not supporting extreme pro-abortion positions and is not supporting government confiscation of private property so it can be given to big business owners like himself and not supporting uh, restrictive gun laws, is the uh, the most popular candidate. Among talk radio Republicans, and I've explained to you why I understand the frustration you 're absolutely right to be frustrated you 're absolutely right that there is, we are there are truths that we are not allowed supposedly to tell, and so it 's great to see someone who just tells the mainstream media to go flip off, but someone else is right too, and that is Chuck Todd with NBC I could picture him deciding if he feels unwelcome in the Republicans. If he runs as a third party, it likely makes Hillary Clinton president or whoever the Democratic nominee is. And you know what? In his mind, he would say, I'm the reason why she got elected. And I could picture him wanting to have that honor. So can we have the frustration without the self-immolation? Do we have to set ourselves on fire as conservatives and burn our causes? You want someone who fights? You know, Ted Cruz likes to fight. He fought all weekend long. How about Ted Cruz? Uh, you like a guy who uh, is willing to uh, get up all in the grill of the GOP establishment? They hate Rand Paul. Rand Paul and his small government libertarianism voting against things like the XM Bank. How about Rand Paul? You want a guy who likes to fight? Scott Walker fought with unions. He had to go through three elections in four years because every big government union democratic organization in the country poured money into his state to force a recall election. He won all three times. How about that? Rick Perry. You want a hardcore rock ribbed conservative from Texas who wears a sidearm on his hip and uh shoots rattlesnakes for fun? How about Rick I, This is what's so frustrating about this. The one year that we finally have the candidates that can win and do something uh you know about the crappy issues, the candidates who can win and move America away from the uh, last you know, years of the Obama far left approach is the year that we get stuck with Donald Trump sucking all the oxygen out of the room. No wonder so many people think that Donald Trump is running on purpose the same re- way that Ross Perot did to get a Clinton elected. What is it? I don't understand. There is so much to work with there. Let's ask Will. Will, you're on the air. Go right ahead.
2: Sir, you there? I hear a lot of no. Uh, sir, are you there?
1: Yes, sir. I'm right here, Will. Thank you for yes. the call.
2: All right, real quick. I am going to explain why Donald Trump can win and why it's a brilliant plan. Point one, everybody knows that in any election, 40% is going to go one way, 40% is going to go the other. So the only thing you're trying to persuade is that other uh, 20%. Got it. The undecided, that's a fact. The other part on that is that 70% only 13% of America is black. Not 10% is uh, Latino. The other percent is the uh, other. 70% of America is still white. Mm -hmm. Now, it would be a racial thing to say that you can expand the white vote, but there's a lot of white votes that are out there that haven't voted. We have just given up. We're tired of hearing what the Republicans are saying because they're never going to do what they say, so they just give up. So, it's politically correct to say I want to expand the Mexican vote. Okay, you expand that by 3 or 4%. If you expand a, voice, um, a base of about 70% of the, of the white vote, 3 to 4 to 5%, it would be an influx of uh, voters never seen before in control of this race. That's why I think it's a brilliant plan on Trump's part. The other part that's so great about this is that if Trump does decide to run on the third party, and he may be a plant. I don't know. But he's just not going to sit there and puff up and say, I was the one that got Hillary in. He'll he'll make a back deal with Bill and get all government contracts before he does that. Trump's <laughs> going to win no matter what.
1: I Well, that second part I don't dispute at all. Um, so you think that uh, that uh, Donald Trump, yeah, no, I agree with you. Donald Trump is going to every time, every time. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. Uh, Maybe turn your radio down. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. So Will says that this is about the white vote and that this is what we need is we need a Republican party that energizes white people, that reaches out more to white people, that pumps up the white vote, gets uh, disaffected white voters to turn out. And that that Donald Trump is part of that there is a uh there's a phrase going around in the interwebs right now that I'd be honest with you, I had assumed we would not be <laughs> discussing. It's cuck you have to be very careful how you say this because it could sound like a lot of uh a lot of uh different stuff, but cuck and that the argument is. That these are the conservatives who don't realize that the job of the Republican Party is to be the party of the white man. And if the Republican Party will stand up and be and stop pussyfooting around and embrace the Confederate flag and embrace uh, 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 white, uh, uh, you know, white cult, whatever, white people's role in society and, and basically do as a representative of white people of what, what uh, some people perceive the Democratic Party doing as a representative of black people, that that's the way to win. And uh, Will has his math right that right now about 70 percent of America is white. Then that 70 percent is disproportionately old. Now, those old what do what do old people do? They vote because what else they got to do on Election Day? You know, they 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 got up at three at morning so they could have breakfast at four so they could have lunch by 11 So they could have dinner by by the time the Matlock uh, marathon starts on TV land at three in the afternoon. So that's a way that may be a way to win today. But what does it do for the party over time? Not only that, but, you know, right now the Republican Party is winning the white vote, but it's not monolithic. The Democratic Party gets 97, 96, 95 percent of the black vote, depending on what's going on. Uh, but the white vote is pretty split, so pumping up the white turnout doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be pumping up Republican turnout. But does that is that the way to look at how we're doing this? The Republican Party, the party of white people. Not only do I think it's short sighted politically, but I'll just tell you right up front in the end of the country, I, I don't want to be part of the white guy party. I want to be the part of the American party. I want everybody to listen to ideas like school choice to rescue everybody white and black from crappy schools and uh, less regulation so more people white and black can start businesses and make their families happy and uh, more protection for America so nobody white or black gets killed by a whack job Islamist. That's what I want. There's so much stuff that we can do together. And I think that the politician who has the skills and talent to pull that together? They can win, they can win big, and they can change the direction of the United States.
6: Michael Graham now, and McKimmer at noon on News Radio 1067.
1: It's ten fifty two. I am Michael Graham, uh, and I do not have the uh, amazing skill or talent to do a show where I tell you how to think or what to think. I don't use half my brain, whatever. I am just, I am just a dad, a citizen, a a guy grew up in South Carolina, but who's lived around the country. I've been to all fifty states, by the way. It's one of my coolest little facts about me: been to all fifty states and love America. I can't help. I love America and I love my family. I we have an interesting background. Um, we don't really know where our family's from originally. Like many Southerners, my racial identity is Southerner. When people ask me, you know, where are your people from? Uh, the South. no, no, don't you have some homeland, you know, you know, Denmark or Ireland or Sweden? Uh, Well, I have Graceland. I don't know. Is that, and I think one of the things that is hard for me to get about the Donald Trump conversation, hang with me, this isn't about politics, this is about something bigger than that. And I'm. I really want to hear what you think about this. The uh, part of the Donald Trump movement, you heard it from Will, our previous caller, you know, energize white people. It's time for the white vote, white pride. Uh, and there's this new phrase that's being used on the interwebs, conservative," which means you're a conservative who doesn't defend the white race, doesn't celebrate the white race, doesn't stand up for you know, white people as a special interest group. Can I confess something to you? I have never felt a moment of white pride in my life. It has never dawned on me. Like you're watching the Olympics and you see the Olympic person, whatever, win the freestyle, whatever. I've never gone. Yeah, look at that. Look what white people did. Look at this. What? You know, I've never felt that. That's one of the reasons why I, you know, when I, when you see the news stories about the first black this or the first transgender that I might what? No, a person did that. That person deserves to be celebrated because they did something amazing. Never, It's never, ever, look at these white guys being elected president. I'm so proud. We have an unbroken record of white guys until Barack Obama, you know, and even Barack Obama's half white. So I'm, I'm you know, whatever, 44 and a half out of 45. I've never, ever felt a moment of white pride. And I'm just curious if that makes me the weirdo. I mean, the, the part of the argument for Donald Trump is it's time to stand up for white people. And I, I mean, I don't I don't, want, I don't want to stand down for white people. I don't want, you know, white people to be treated badly. But I just it's never I've never gone. Doesn't it doesn't make you feel good to be white. No, I really haven't. So I apologize, Team Trump. I've never experienced a moment of white pride in my life. And I'm just wondering if you have. If that makes me the weirdo. At 844 Now wait. Before Team Sharpton starts cheering. Before Team Farrakhan starts taking a victory lap. I also have another confession for you. I've never felt a moment of white guilt. What? No. Sorry. Never. I've never felt bad about what white people did in the past. I've never felt bad about Europeans coming to America. Uh, Europeans did what. Everybody did for human history they went out and spread and tried to go find stuff and find wealth and find and just like the original people who crossed the Bering Straits to get to the United States I mean it's you know a bit north america I mean this is what human beings did, but Michael, what about slavery yeah white there was white slavery in the past, white white people owning people there was also black slavery in the past, there was also Egyptian slavery in the past, as the jews there was i mean slavery was part of the human condition. White people were no better or worse than anyone else. I I know that a lot of people disagree with that. uh, President Obama's uh, mentor, Reverend Jeremiah Wright, preached a version of Christianity called Black Liberation Theology that teaches that white people are uniquely sinful and that white people are in more need of God's salvation than other races. I've never felt that. I've never felt a moment of white guilt. When I think about what happened in the South with segregation, I don't feel guilty about that. I wasn't around i had no role in that whatsoever i mean i I can't feel guilty for stuff people did in the past i can feel guilty for what i did in the past and i feel tons of guilt i am a huge as a guy who grew up in an evangelical household and went to oral roberts university and married a jewish lady i am the gordon gecko of guilt guilt works guilt is good i mean that's that's my. but i feel no white guilt so that's what I'm curious about from you at eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. Is Trump speaking on behalf of white America and white culture, and for a sense that someone should stand up for white pride? And if you've ever experienced, and I'm not saying that it's wrong to feel it. I'm just I've never felt it. I've I've never I I when, when I hear you know when a a black athlete accomplishes something, I hear black Americans saying I'm so proud. I'm like, well, what what did you? How many? How many meters did you run? How long did you exercise? I mean, so the, you know, the first black chess champion, I'm so proud. Well, I'm sorry. How, how many games of chess have you played? I mean, I, 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 I'm complete. I just don't, I don't get that loop of thinking. And so maybe the oddball, the weirdo is me. 844 I've never felt a moment of white pride and I've never felt a moment of white guilt. I'm just a guy screwing up my own life. Thank you very much regardless of race, creed or color. I am Uncle Graham.
2: I identify with some things as a democrat.
3: The folks behind this In fact, are part of the most militant wing of the anti-abortion movement that has been behind, you know, the bombing of clinics. When
5: I'm
4: on your property,
5: you're allowed to have the smells on your property, so that doesn't count. He's attractive, he's tall, um, he's hilariously funny.
6: This is The Michael Graham Show on News Radio 1067.
4: I suspect that some of my critics back home uh, are suggesting that I'm back here to look for my birth certificate. (laughs) That is not the case.
1: 1106 and Radio 1067, I am Michael Graham, your host, MC, star of the show, renowned, spoiler of women, known enemy of the jihad, the geekiest white guy east of the Mississippi River, thrilled, delighted, honored, and quite frankly stunned that you are allowing me into your home, into your car, to your workplace, to be part of the natural truth. What is the natural truth? It's the way the world really is. And we try to have a good, I, I am having a great time. I'm, and I hope you'll be a part of it by calling 844-404-1067. Your chance to win free lunch at Pity Pat's Porch, Atlanta's oldest restaurant, coming up later in the show in the lunch line. Uh, so stay tuned for your chance to win free lunch. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and a caller called in during the top of the, uh, the news, the top of the hour, say, I'm calling BS on Graham. He says he's never experienced a moment of white pride. Bull. He's never experienced a moment of white guilt. Bull. If LeBron or Tyson were white, you would feel some pride. Uh, Well, I don't – there have been white boxers who have been successful. It's been a long time, but back in the day, they used to have Marciano, Graziano. There have been some white basketball players who have – won some you know i lived in boston so you can't hang out talk about the celtics without talking about geeky white guys from indiana yes
3: did you get white pride when rocky beat
1: drago i didn't you know i didn't feel any i felt american pride because he beat drago you know because drago was a russian now clubber lang that's a totally different deal there um but i i'm i'm trying i'm trying to be honest with you i don't Maybe somewhere deep inside, where you know you don't want to admit, at cocktail parties you want to go, yeah, you, know, you can't handle the truth. But I've, I don't, I've never experienced a moment where I said, "Look at what so and so did, and he's white, therefore I should be proud." What? Why? I mean, look at Donald Trump; he's a white guy. I don't feel any pride at his million billion dollars and i don't feel any shame that this dope is president i don't i mean the issue of race just doesn't enter enter into it and this is what i'm told from supporters of donald trump is that donald trump is finally a man who's willing to stand up and tell the truth the way it is and he doesn't care if it offends anybody white or black and so he's telling the truth for the white man and i, I don't i don't know i mean i i'm you know I've been fired from a radio station for telling the truth about Islam I've uh, you know had people get upset with me for telling the truth about everything from black crime to the fact that women have no blood in their bloodstream, which is why they get freezing freezing cold all the time, and they have to go to work and bring a blanket with them because it's the middle of the summer and I've got the a c on I mean just you know I, I i I don't think you should make me president, but i i don't I'm pretty comfortable saying. You know, this is the way I think the world really is, and I've always uh, been puzzled by this notion that I should have white guilt. I am the geekiest white guy east in the Mississippi, without a doubt. I am painfully white, borderline opaque. If you ever watch me try, I've no there. I have. I'm as whitey white guy as you can get. If I were represented by a food, it would either be oatmeal or grits. I'd prefer grits, but grits are almost too cool. They're almost too cultural for me. I'd have to be stuck with oatmeal. And yet I've never felt any white guilt. I don't feel guilty. i don't I don't feel like I, I should be ashamed of being I don't feel I mean, I just happen to be born white. That's what happened. When Mrs. Clinton says you should vote for her on the merits, and one of her merits is that she was born a woman. I don't think of it as an accomplishment to be born with or without a penis. And I don't think of it as an accomplishment to be born with or without, you know, melanin in your skin. I'm I'm just here as a guy. I have thoughts in my brain. I share them with you. I hope you will treat me the way I deserve to be treated based on my behavior. And if I'm a dirtbag criminal, I go in jail. That's where I belong. And if I'm smart and work hard and make money, then I should prosper. That's where I belong. And that's how I see the world. So maybe that's why the Donald Trump thing doesn't work for me. I look at him as his, at his ideas because that's all I really care about his ideas are overwhelmingly democratic left of center you know big government socialist ideas so if you so I'm just curious if you've if you have ever experienced a moment of racial pride I'd love to know why what what, what why do you, why would you get to be proud because of what someone else who happens to look like you accomplished Eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. If the Donald Trump movement is the movement to speak up for the white man, well, I don't I mean, how about speaking up for ideas that work for everybody? And that's what's once again so frustrating about this year in politics is you have all these great candidates, so many great candidates from Walker to Rubio to Cruz to Perry to Fiorina to Ben Carson. And the, there's about another 145 of more of them out there. Mostly talking about ideas and mostly talking about policies that can make our America, they believe, better and they give you lots of choices to have. And then we're sidetracked on this because apparently there's some grumpy white guys going, why doesn't anyone talk about me? Where's my special treatment for being a white man? Well, I don't, how about just American? How about that? 844-404-1067. And for those of you who, who want to call bull bleep on me, because you say I'm lying, well, am I lying about the white pride or lying about the white guilt? Because I, I don't feel a lot of either. I'm Michael Graham. Your phone call is coming up. Michael Graham now
6: and the Kimer at noon on News Radio 106.7. Good morning.
1: Michael Graham, the geekiest white guy east of the Mississippi River. And I will say this. I don't understand why I should have to feel guilty about what other white people have done. Am I supposed to apologize for, like, polka music? Is that my job? Uh, Air supply? Do I owe you an apology for air supply, Michael Bolton? Because if I owe you an apology for air supply, Michael Bolton, my friends of color, then who's going to apologize for... Oh, I don't know. Um, uh, what was that horrible uh, Urkel show?
3: Family Matters yeah. was awesome. Who's going
1: to apologize for Family Matters? Who's going to apologize to me for that? Or Gangsta Rap. Do we owe an apology to anybody? Which I don't want to apologize for because I love NWA. But still, I don't know what how this is supposed to work. So if you can tell me something that I should be proud of... Simply for being a white man, what well, I should take my white pride in eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. And if you should tell me something that I, as a white person, owe an apology for, on behalf of white people, uh, for as part of my white guilt eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. I'm completely befuddled by both. Cheryl, you're on the air. Thank you for the call. Go right ahead. Hi, Michael. I Hi. just
2: wanted, to, I just wanted to say, I don't think that you have to be apologizing for anything. I feel as if. We've gotten ourselves into a situation here where everything's divided. It's all about black, and it's all about white, and you've got to feel this kind of pride and that kind of pride. When you start going down that road, you never have unity. And I feel as if that's where America should be today, trying to pull everyone together, not trying to divide the races up.
1: I'm with you completely, Cheryl. Thanks for the call at 844-404-1067. Nathaniel, you're on the air with Michael Graham. Go right ahead. Hey, Mr. Graham, how are you doing today? It's fine. Take it away. Uh,
8: basically, I agree with Cheryl that there is no apology. I am a young African-American male. And the thing about it is that there is only one race as a human race. You know, as far as in pride, um, we created fire. We created the wheel. You know, um, having a boxer or a basketball player, especially in the country, that exaggerates the separation between just human variances is highly inaccurate. You know, so as far as an apology, I mean, and I like N- NWA too, but I also like Bach. You know, okay. does that make me um, some type of, you know, bias well, or, this, or or can we sell both, out or something like that? Can we
1: both agree, white and black, that Nickelback sucks? Can we agree on that? <laughs> def-
8: definitely can agree on that
1: one. There we go. See, bringing people. To, do, do, I, do I owe an apology for Nickelback? Because somebody owes me an apology for disco. And if I'm not mistaken, disco was a predominantly black musical form. Now, admittedly, the only people listening to disco and by the re- records were white people. But if I'm not mistaken, I am I, I think that's where this has to throw down. Am I am I missing that, uh, Brandon?
3: Plenty of white people got joy out of disco. Yeah, but they didn't
1: play it. The music came. You know what? Seriously, this is what I think happened. I think you had uh, people like George Clinton and others getting stoned, saying, you know, these white people are so stupid. They'll buy any. Let's, let's do this. And they threw out disco. Next thing you know, you, it was. You lost
3: your chance when Casey and the Sunshine Band came yep. through. And they're like, you know what? Works for us, too. <laughs>
1: So you tell me, as a white guy, what do I – what should I feel proud about? What accomplishment of whiteness should I take pride in so that Donald Trump can celebrate it? And what uh, uh, evil event do I owe an apology to Reverend Jeremiah Wright on behalf of the U.S. of KKKA? Um, uh, I got another story that – uh, it was interesting watching the coverage of these two fourteen-year-old kids who are out boating, and now they're missing. And Joe Namath is out. He's a neighbor of this family down in Florida, and he's uh, helped put up a hundred thousand-dollar reward. He wants to. They want the family wants people to keep looking for for these uh, two fourteen-year-olds because they say that they they believe that they're still out there. It's not too late. And I was watching an interview with the mom and dad, and it was very clear that the mom and dad felt defensive, uh, that they had been presented with the idea that the real problem was that you had parents who would let two 14-year-olds go out and go boating on their own in the first place.
5: I can only speak for for our son. You know, We we requested that when he was out in the water, that he fish the river and the intercoastal and he could go as far as the rocks in in, in the inlet, uh, but not uh, without us or, or uh, an adult who had, uh, you know, a larger boat uh, in, into the ocean. But uh, in saying that, uh, knowing Austin and knowing his skills and and his family, you know, Austin's extremely capable running those boats. But uh, that was just a rule we had in, in our house.
1: And then the mom stepped in and uh, offered this defense as well.
7: You you can't control that. We can't. Keep them um, under our eye every every moment of yeah. every day. Um, we raise them right. We hope that that they will make the right decisions. Um, and I, I do believe that they have the knowledge and the strength to to, to get them through it. this.
1: Now I know for a fact that there are parents who are horrified that someone would two different families would let their 14 year old sons go out and go boating. Period. Unattended without an adult. Period. And then let them go in the ocean, that makes people even freak out even more. Uh, this was the, the father of one of the two boys' response.
5: Anybody who's out there and wants to, to judge or look back, at, you know, and, and why these boys went out there, they can do that. We know who our children are. Yep. People who live on the water know what the water is all about and how we raise our kids here. Yeah. So I'm
1: curious, at 844 were you one of the parents who saw this story of these two missing boaters and then you heard that they were 14 and thought, oh, my God. They were out boating by themselves at 14. And how many of you were the other side? People who said, yeah, 14, get in the boat, go out, go fishing, go boating, go whatever. What's the big deal? 844 I remember a couple years ago, there was a young lady who wanted to be the youngest woman to circumnavigate the globe alone. And she and her parents were working together to put the, uh, you know, to get a boat that had all the stuff they needed, et cetera. And people were telling the parents, you should have your children taken away from you for letting this 16-year-old girl do this. She can't do this. And the parents' asked, answer was, you don't know this 16-year-old girl. We do. She's sharp. She's been, you know, boating her whole life. She's ready to do this. So let me ask you, should the parents be held responsible? For the outcome in this Florida case. Let's say that that, that, as we hope that the two 14 year olds are found and they're on a little spit or an island or something somewhere out there. Well, a lot of money has been spent looking for them. Should the parents be charged and be forced to pay because it's their fault for letting the 14 year olds go boating in the first place? Or are the parents right that uh, it's called boating and things happen to people on the water of all ages,
7: I don't know what happened. None of us know what happened. If we did, I think we'd have we'd have them in our arms right now. Um, we've all done things that sure. that have different consequences than what we've expected. Um, they're fourteen-year-old boys, so when they th- they want to go and do something um, and there's no one watching, sometimes I think that they all do something, um, whether it's my child or anybody else yeah. who's watching.
1: But they don't get out on boats, and that's the argument that I heard this morning from people going. Well, I can't believe that you'd let your kids go out on a boat at 14 years old. This is ridiculous. The only thing I let my 14-year-old do is have condoms in the school office so he can go have sex with his girlfriend uh, after school. That's the only thing. Because he's responsible enough to make that decision, but I can't have him making it. I'll let a 14-year-old go get abortion without their parents' knowledge or permission, but I'm not going to let a 14-year-old get out on a boat. Where is the line? You tell me. I am Michael Graham. Lunch. Doesn't have to cost dough
10: because every day on Michael Graham's show, the
1: lunch
10: line
1: kick it. You get free lunch if you call in 844 404 1067. And today's lunchtime is sponsored by Pity Pat's Porch, downtown Atlanta's oldest restaurant. Delighting guests with one-of-a-kind old Southern charm and new Southern flavors for more than 40 years. I want to send you for lunch at Pity Pat's Porch. If you recall this line from today's show and President Obama.
4: I suspect that some of my critics back home uh, are suggesting that I'm back here to look for my birth certificate. (laughs) That is.
1: 844-404-1067. Finish that line and lunch at Pity Pat's Porch is yours. Uh, And we give away free lunch every day around this time. So uh, tune in and we'll jump on the the phone here in just a second. Also, your phone calls uh, at that same number about the story of the two missing teens. The hashtag is find Austin and Perry as uh, the, the search continues uh, they the the uh, capsized boat has been found. But what's interesting to me is the reaction that I've seen from people. Why was this 14 year old out boating? Why were these two 14 year olds out boating in the first place? Before we get to the lunch line, Steve has a comment on the uh, the boating story. Steve, you're on the air.
8: Yes, sir. And thank you. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know this about our founder, uh, our first president, uh, George Washington. But when he was 15, Uh, His job was to survey the Virginia mountains, and he was out there for weeks at a time by himself or with Mm -hmm. another teenager. And, you know, if if these kids were doing what they were supposed to do and wearing a life jacket, uh, they should be okay.
1: Mm -hmm. But, but, you know, there are a lot of people, Steve, who would tell you that that, that we don't make a lot of George Washingtons in America – anymore well, and that comparing yeah, well, it to George uh, Washington when, is when
8: you're toppling them and you're keeping them under your wing and uh mm-hmm. you gotta you put them in soccer so that they won't get hurt playing <laughs> football uh what
10: do you expect yeah you know?
1: great question Steve thanks for the call Eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. Uh, Are the parents at fault for letting two 14-year-olds go out in a boat without an adult supervisor in the first place? That's what some are suggesting. But before we get back to that, Tina wants to try to win some free lunch. Tina, how are you?
7: I'm fine. How are you?
1: Great. Well, I'm ready to send you to Pity Pat's Porch. I'm going to play the line. You finish the line from the president. You win free lunch. Got it? All
4: right. Here we go. I suspect that some of my critics back home uh, are suggesting that I'm back here to look for my birth certificate. (laughs) that is tina
0: is not the case
4: i suspect that some of my critics back home uh, are suggesting that i'm back here to look for my birth certificate (laughs) that is not the case
1: tina you nailed it stay on hold and we will get your information and hook you up for lunch at pity's pat pity pat's porch downtown atlanta's oldest restaurant and once again free lunch every day around this time when I was a kid, I, I back in my day, would I was, but no, I, I, I never, it, it didn't dawn on me there was anything weird about the fact that my dad had given me a twenty gauge shotgun. Uh, I, I think I had it when I was like ten, and that I was free to go out and shoot tin cans and stuff, which is about all I could hit. Uh, as a kid, it didn't dawn on me. We had a a pond that uh, the kids we all swam in. That I would walk down the mile or so to the pond and go swimming, and um, usually there were other kids there just because it was more interesting. But sometimes I'd be swimming, and the other kids would leave, and I'd be in the pond by myself. It never dawned on me that this was a, a deal. And then I moved up north, and I would tell this stuff to people. And I was the most pathetic. You know, I was a terrible shot. I was a terrible hunter. I was a terrible athlete. I was the least – I had the least – I don't. you can't call it street cred. What do you call it, like woods cred or – ag cred or country cred i had no i mean i would i would walk you know down a dirt road and stumble in every hole if we were out hunting i would trip in every uh, every branch i was the war i was the anti davy crockett i was awful but man when i got up to lived in new york for a while in boston i was like bleeping you know mr country i was rocky you know in the woods surviving with a knife and you know i would the the uh I would tell people, "Oh, you had a gun, oh my gosh, you went hunting, yeah, you went fishing, yeah. you went out on a boat by yourself, yeah, oh my God, I would never let my and this and I really think that it's cultural that if you know people who grew up in urban areas where like the big excitement was you know to go to the park and climb the monkey bars by yourself, they, they just don't know when you live on the water, going out on a boat as a kid is not that big of a deal. I mean, you had rules, you had lessons, you had, you know, and your parents will let you go step by step. But when you're out on the water, my kid, my sister lives on the lake, lives on a lake in South Carolina, Lake Murray. And the boats right there, the docks right there, the kids just go out. I mean, because they've lived around it. And I think that's where part of this judgment of the parents is coming from is that there are two aspects of it. One aspect is just unfamiliar, you know, lack of familiarity with the water, you know, life on the water culture. But the other is that new kind of must-raise-our-kids-in-a-bubble uh, generation cupcake that's going on. And we're raising kids that aren't uh, familiar with the water or the land or the air or the street or the park or the soccer ball. Val doesn't agree. She says, even if you know the water, 14 is too young. I grew up on the beach and my friends and I were not allowed to go in alone. Well, Val, remember, they weren't alone. They were two 14-year-olds together. So, uh, but maybe maybe that doesn't change your mind. I feel, obviously, I feel sorry for the parents that their sons are missing. I feel bad for the parents that the sons are missing and a capsized boat has been found. But then to have all of that tragedy and have people judging you for making this decision, I feel bad even more so for them. And I have no problem with judging people. I'm a firm believer in judging. I think that's how we become better people is that we watch what other people do. We watch how their lives turn out. And then we ask ourselves, do we want to do what they did and have the same life? or do We want to learn a lesson, whatever. But if you grew up uh, around boats and around water I don't think a 14 year old going out on the water two 14 year olds going on the water is that big of a deal hey matt door you know a little bit about this stuff before we get to the traffic uh, do you think the parents um were irresponsible for letting 14 year olds go on the water
11: absolutely not they uh if their parents trusted them enough to use the boat without i mean if dad was with them and the boat capsized they'd mm-hmm. all three be missing so just because they were 14 has nothing to do with the fact well that- what
1: about you when you were 14, 15. I was, I
11: was on the river. I might have had to been dropped off at the river house, but <laughs> I went out on the, on the water by myself really? and told Pops we'd be back in three hours. And, you know, at 14, he came back, and hopefully we had a mess of
6: fish and had a good dinner. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. They call him It's
1: 1150. I'm Michael Graham. So, Brett, one of our listeners points out in this story of the two 14-year-old boaters who are missing, these kids used to go out on the boat all the time by themselves. And they weren't even 14. They were little kids. Of course, it was different. They had a talking dolphin who could find you. What? Jimmy's trapped under buoy 7? He has a sandwich and an apple? It was amazing. So, maybe if you have a talking dolphin, maybe is that the 14 thing. Uh, so, uh you tell me, eight four 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 zero four one zero six. I don't, uh, according to the media coverage, these two 14-year-olds have been out in the boat many times. The local boaters knew them. They knew what they were doing. Stuff just happens. But some parents are outraged by this. The stuff you did when you were 14, 15, 16, that would freak people out. And then I'm also, because I've been told that I am a cuck-servative, that means a conservative who will not stand up for the white race and doesn't see conservatism as a way to defend white ideals and whiteness and general white whitenessity white that i am a that i am a failure i confessed my sin that i have never felt a moment of white pride and i've confessed my other sin i've never felt a moment of white guilt i just don't feel i mean i just i, I don't know i i feel i feel so guilty about the stuff that i do i don't have enough time to feel guilty about stuff that other people who look like me have done I don't get that. So I'm looking at this list. There's a great, wonderful website that I've visited many times for stuff dot stuffwhitepeoplelike.com. And I'm looking at the stuff white people like, and I'm just trying to figure out Brandon as the designated spokesperson. If I have to be the designated spokesperson for white people, you have to be the designated spokesperson for black people, okay? This is not going to end well. Am I supposed to feel guilty about, we'll start at the top, uh, organic food and veganism? Yes. Is that, why should, I, I'm not. White people I, created that. I don't care. I don't. Eat vegan and I buy the cheapest stuff. Whatever. I'm Why should I feel sorry for this? White um, people
3: enabled this.
1: <laughs> arts degrees. Should white people feel guilty about arts degrees and the amount of debt people load themselves on for that? Is that threatened?
3: Can we narrow or, that down to like Rachel Maddow? Canada. Just... Am I supposed to feel guilty about Canada? No. They need to apologize for Nickelback. Is
1: that where is That's they, are their they from, problem Are they yes. okay? Okay. I don't. I don't know. Oh, ugly sweater parties. Yes. Well, but see, I've never been to an ugly sweater party. I White don't,
3: elephant parties, also. How am I
1: responsible for this? I didn't do this. I've not made anybody participate in
3: this. Have you gone to one in your life? i
1: no. I've never been to an do ugly you know sweater party. I'm to sure one. I do. My mom's That's probably been the to one. I'm you not, them. I didn't try. I'm not trying to get involved in the in in this at all. Um, flavored salts. You know, when you go to the store now, you can buy just instead of just salt. There's like. Uh, flavored like smoked salt and original sea salt and garlic kamaquat salt. That's a white people, which is a total affectation. You want flavor in your food? You can put flavor, but you don't need the flavored. Who has flavored salts that they serve at their t- People have salt parties now where they have a display of flavored salts. And then you have, like, little, like, cucumber slices and other neutral foods you dump your salts on. Not to be confused with a powder
3: party. A powder party,
1: totally, <laughs> totally, totally different. So am I supposed to feel guilty about St. Patrick's Day? Am I supposed to feel guilty? I love St. Patrick's Day.
3: It's a white people excuse to get wasted in the middle of the week. Do I,
1: do I need another one to do? Well, I tell you what, in just a second we're going to find out from Brandon what he's supposed to feel guilty about then. Uh, but first, Jim is going to talk about the 14-year-old's boating. Jim, you're on the air. Go right ahead. No, actually, this is Jeff. Jeff. Sorry, Jeff. Go right ahead.
2: I'm sorry. No, I mean, you know, at 14 years of age, there's, there's really, I mean, if they were used to the water, right. you know, right. there's, there's no big deal. I mean, when I was 10 or 11 years of age, my mom would take us and drop us off at Six Flags for the day. What? Yeah.
1: you got to be kidding me.
2: No, we had season passes. Our birthdays were the first of March. Uh-huh. We'd always get season passes. And then me and my buddies at 10 or 11 years of age, we get dropped off at 9 o'clock in the morning with 20 bucks in our pocket, and she'd come pick us up at 6 or 7 o'clock that night. And we ran around Six Flags off. That was babysitter.
1: That was a nightmare. I'm not for you, but for the people around you. That's the part that, uh, that bothers me, Jim. I just went Six Flags last week, and in the middle of the day, a weekday, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, asked myself, why would you build a skillet out of asphalt and then put an amusement park in the middle of it with virtually no shade? Okay, Brandon. If I have to apologize for uh, uh, air supply, uh, then what do you have to apologize for?
3: We apologize for giving y'all Michael Jackson. <laughs> so, this That's is the only get. thing we're sorry for. I, so am I supposed to feel guilty about Michael Jackson being a diddler? We had him when he was, oh, baby, give me one more chance. So you had, you had, the had Michael black Jackson who was yeah. still
1: black, and then I got the white Michael, and he was bad. Yeah. Okay, which one of us has to apologize for Barack Obama? Both of us? Yeah. I think you're right. Like I think, a group effort. Because <laughs> <laughs> the really dumb ideas that he's had that have screwed things up, like Obamacare and his horrible foreign policy, have mostly been trumpeted by New England white liberals. And he was just the guy who used his street cred in Moment of History to get elected to put in the dumb ideas of New England white, white liberals.
3: But you mentioned, like, the first time you felt proud, like, being white or black. I didn't necessarily feel proud to be black when he got elected, but I did stop and say, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's cool about America. I'm, but once again, I was... Uh, I was my, proud more so to be an American. I was proud of America,
1: putting the lie to the notion that we were a country where we, you're never going to elect a black man. You know, that's not going to happen. You're going to elect a woman before you elect a black man. And that was clearly not true. And And so, I mean, great president, not so much, but... A country that was willing to elect him and re-elect him? Absolutely. That's a fact. And a majority of the people who voted for Barack Obama president were white. majority of the people who voted against him were white too. So I don't know. Guilt? Pride? How about this? I come on the air every day. You join me. We share how we honestly feel about things. We talk about what we really know about things. And then we figure them out based on what's true and not as opposed to what we look like. Or whether or not we stand up when we pee. How about that? Uh, you tell me, Michael Graham. You're going to start it again? Yes. Let's, Let's do on. it again? Because, yeah. you know, the show actually ends at, you know, 57. Just so. <sighs> Brandon. Oh, now no, I can't criticize him. Oh, it's the white man's putting me down. Okay, great. You should apologize so for your much. regular boredom. <laughs> <laughs> Faking
3: sick to get out of work.
1: Uh, he, was, he was pulling a soccer, wasn't he?
3: Yeah. Oh, I'm injured. I'm injured. Throw me out. Well, Funny soccer Mexico wins the soccer He's at
1: home he right now, uh, smoking a bowl and watching TV. Uh, that's where Soccer Boy is. I'm Michael Graham, radio broadcasting legend The Kimmer, coming up next on News Radio 106.7.
0: Colossal lender license all 50 states, and the last number 3030. Oh, oh.
1: This podcast of The Michael Graham Show is brought to you by Matt Hermes. If you have a high-end home and you're looking to sell, call Matt at Keller Williams Realty. Matt Hermes specializes in luxury homes in areas like Hamilton Mill, Sugarloaf, Chateau Elan, and more. For more information, visit atlantahomesguru.com forward slash radio.